Last week we ended this incredible day. Last week was Easter, one of the central days of our faith um, with all this stuff. And, and, and we ended this incredible day by asking the question, what do we do now, right? The tendency is that we get through holidays like this, we get through Christmas or we get through Easter and we have all these friends and family around. They've gone home now. Hopefully you're still eating leftover ham or it's mostly gone and uh, the Easter egg hunts are done and, and all of that and, and kind of that energy and that excitement is done and the big question is always, what do we do now? What do we do with this risen Jesus? And so after all the celebration is over, what do we do? What does it look like to be Easter people every single day? Because if Easter, if that whole thing was just kind of one time a year and we were just like, oh, that was fun, now we have to get back to our normal lives... That'd be kind of a drag that we have to wait a whole nother year to get excited about our faith. Jesus wants us to follow him every day. And at the end of the message last week, we talked about that how in the end of the Easter scripture reading, Jesus is already on the move. Jesus isn't sitting on a rock by the tomb going, wow, that was awesome. I'm awesome. What should I do now? You know, he's already on the move and he calls the disciples to follow me. In fact, there's a story before he ascends to heaven. Jesus says to disciples, come and see. Right? Come and see. And so that's what Jesus continues to tell each of us. And so if you notice uh, today, we're starting a new sermon series, and it's called Since You Asked. Since You Asked. And because, uh, as we talked about last week, our lives are surrounded by questions. Sometimes they're big questions. What is the purpose of my life? What am I doing here? Sometimes they're little questions, like what's for dinner? Um, but we are surrounded by questions. And, and I want you to know, as we talked about, it is okay to come here with your doubts. It is okay to come here with your questions. We're all in this together, and we're figuring it out. And so we turn to God and his word. And so that's what we're going to be doing in this series. It's not necessarily just looking inside ourselves. We're not going to look to culture. We're not going to look to what just the popular opinion of the day is. We're going to say, God, what do you think about some of these big questions in our life? So over the next month or so, we're going to be looking into some of these more popular questions within Christianity, within our faith. And so uh, there's postcards over there at the Welcome Center that kind of list what we're going to be talking about each week. This would be a really, really, really good series to invite some friends to. We're not going to be hammering them over the head. We're just going to be saying, you know, what are some of the big questions that we all struggle with? How you sitting in your chair there today are no different from your friend or your coworker that you see every day that doesn't really care about church, right? We're all asking the same questions, right? It's just, who are we looking to for answers? Um, is the difference. And so I encourage you, uh, the next few weeks, invite some friends, invite some neighbors along for the ride. So I was thinking about some of these questions that we're going to get into, and they're all really, really important. We're going to be talking about uh, the Bible and, and the authority of Scripture, and we're going to be talking about uh, religion versus relationship, and we're going to be talking about all these sorts of things. But um, before we get into all that, I think there's a question that a lot of us are asking that almost a lot of times impacts our faith more than just questions about is scripture valid and who wrote it and, and how do we be good moral people and, and all that. One of the most repeated questions that I hear over and over, it doesn't matter people that are inside the church or people that are outside the church, is how do I find some rest? Right? How do I slow down? And you might be saying, well, John... That's not very spiritual. That's not very theological. Give us something here. I mean, I, I want to debate the issues of the day, right? Let's talk about politics or sexuality or let's really stir the pot, right? Let's really get into it because those are the things that people are talking about. Those, those are the, 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 the heated issues of the day. 
let's get on with some more spiritual stuff. But I guess what I would say to that is, um, as we talked about a few weeks ago, for many of you, the most spiritual thing that you could do is ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. Remember we talked about that? For some of you, the most spiritual thing that you could do is take a nap because you need to take care of your body, right? That's the most spiritual thing that you could do. That, that maybe, I, I'm just going to be honest and say, maybe the biggest obstacle for many of us is to, to grow, many of us want to take that next step in our faith. We're like, I've been doing this for a while. How do I grow? Maybe the biggest obstacle for us is not to read more books about it, is not to go to more conferences about it. It's not just to try harder, right? That never works. I'm tired of that right? Maybe those aren't the answers. Maybe it's learning to slow down and find a pace to our lives where there's even room for God to speak to us and change us, even if we wanted him to, right? A lot of us are saying, yeah, I want that. I want to grow in my faith. I want God to change me. I want to learn how to hear God's voice. I want to experience him on a daily basis, but there isn't any room in your life for it, right? let alone the people that are around you the most, your friends and your family. And so uh, we could all use some rest. Am I, am I correct in that? Okay, so if you need some rest, give me an amen. Okay, good. Uh, you can set aside your Lutheranism for a second. You can yell out anything you want during my message. That's fine. Uh, that might have been a risky statement. So, uh, and when I say rest, a lot of us just think physical rest, right? Like, Man, it'd be great to get eight hours of sleep a night. That would be a dream, right? So a lot of us just think physical rest. But what about emotional rest? Right? Sometimes we avoid that one. And, and uh, maybe you're like, like me and, and your, your body can be resting. You can be still. But your mind just doesn't shut down. Is anybody like that? Does anybody struggle with that? Yeah. And like that tires you out, right? Because you're stressing about things and you're anticipating things that are coming up in your life. Maybe it's not physical rest. You need some emotional rest. Uh, you need some mental rest. And then finally, uh, even in the church, uh, we talk about this idea of spiritual rest, right? What, what would that look like? And where we need to remember that, that as we're serving God and we're a part of this church, that, that we need to slow down and be in a posture where we're receiving from God and from others, that we're just not constantly just going, 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 and giving, because none of us, none of us, are immune to burnout, right? Even when we're doing good things, right? It doesn't matter if it's within the church or you're serving things in the community, you're active in different things or with your kids, we can experience that burnout really, really quick. And that becomes a barrier to us growing in our relationship with God. So I guess if, actually, if you think about it, um, the way that many of us live our lives sometime, I told you I wouldn't use my opening illustration, but here it is. This just came to me. You know, the little kid down there and the little kid down here, we're those kids. We live our lives, we're not chasing an Easter egg, but what are you running after today, right? What do you, what, what, what do you turn to? What are you, what are you running after? What are you so focused on that at some point you're just going to, you may not knock heads with someone, but you're going to hit the wall, right? And maybe some of you are feeling that today. You're just kind of feeling that, you're dragging, you put your blinders on and you're so focused on something that you're just going to smack heads with somebody. So the question is, what do you running after today because the truth is all of us whether we admit it or not whether we know it or not whether we admit it or not we all have this desperate desperate need to slow down and to receive from god and i'll uh i'll be honest that as i said the two most common things 
that I hear when I'm talking to people. I'm, I'm, I'm always listening. I'm always hearing, you know, God, what do we need to talk about on Sundays? What are people talking about as I have coffee with them and meet with them and we're in meetings and small groups? What are the two things I'm always hearing? Number one, tired, busy, stressed, overwhelmed, hands down. Okay. So you wonder why we talk about it, right? <laughs> That's hands down. Number one. And then number two is I want to grow. It's not, it's not, uh, man, church is boring and I don't get anything out of it. It's like, you people really want to grow. I don't doubt that there's anyone in this room that would raise their hand today and say, ah, I could really care less. I'm just kind of putting in my time. Like, you people really want to grow, and that's exciting, and that's an exciting church uh, to be a part of. I, I haven't talked to any of you recently that wouldn't say, I want to know God deeper. And so I think a big part of the reason why, why many of us have such a high stress level and such a low day-to-day experience of God. I'm not just talking about that mountaintop experience, right? A lot of us can point to that one thing. I went to that Christian concert, right? And it was just like heaven, right? Or maybe it was not even a Christian concert. Just you love music, and that was a spiritual experience for you. Or, you know, I had a mentor once, or back in youth group back in the day, or I went to this one church one time, or you have those moments in your life. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about those of us that have such a low day-to-day real experience with God. And I think that, that it's because we just go, go, go at this pace and, and our lives are actually counterproductive to the things that we pray about. Right? A lot of times, the way that we choose to live our life is exactly opposite of the things that we talk about with other Christians, the things that we pray about, and the things that we sing about, right? I almost think of just this analogy of like, you're on this treadmill, right? You're trying to get healthy, right? In a physical sense. And then you're just like stuffing your face with Cheetos and drinking pop and all that stuff, right? That's that image. So can you imagine going to the gym and somebody's just like this and they're on the treadmill and then they just got these bags of just greasy chips and pop and they're just pouring it in, right? That's what we do sometimes. It seems silly, but you got people saying, I want to rest, I want to experience more of God. And they're just going 110 miles an hour. And God's, I, I almost picture God just saying, I'm here. I, I want to give it to you. But there's no space in your life. There's no time. And so God has so much that he wants to give us. And I believe that the general posture of our lives, we think about posture, like whether you're sitting or you're slouching right now, there's, a, there's <laughs> I'm calling you out. Good posture day here at City Branch. Um, there's a posture of our hearts as well. And I think that the posture that God wants of our hearts is this. Openness, right? Where a lot of us, I think we're just juggling so many things in our life and, and we got all these things going on and we got our blinders on and we're, we're just kind of living like this. And I think that God just wants us to stop sometimes and just drop all that and live like this. Where the posture of our hearts is just saying, God, I want everything that you have from me. And if I'm like this, if my, if my, if my fists are closed, if my hands are closed, I'm not going to receive from God. You ever watch people when they worship? Sometimes here, people worship like this, right? Like, what's that all about? Crazy Christians showing off? Maybe it's just an outward expression of what's happening inside here when we worship, right? So that's the posture that God uh, wants us uh, to have, one of receiving. So you might be thinking, wow, John, what a strange...
strange topic to, 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 to talk about after Easter because, I mean, shouldn't we be talking about everything that we need to do? And, man, you look through the bulletin and there's all this stuff going on and, and we got a lot of stuff to do. We, we don't have time to slow down. I mean, maybe you have time to slow down, but I don't have time to slow down. It's a busy spring. I've got to get the kids to practice. I've, I've got things going on at work. I've, I've got stuff to do. I don't have time to talk about slowing down. I'm too busy, right? And it sounds silly, but that's the truth. And even inside the church, we can get into this habit of go, 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 go. But I'll tell you this. I would rather have a church of healthy people experiencing the living God on a regular basis than a church of hurried, worn out, distracted people trying to be busy for God. I would rather have a church of healthy people experiencing God on a regular basis than a church of hurry, worn out, distracted people that are trying to be busy and do a whole bunch of things for God. Because when we're abiding in Jesus, right? When we're having that daily intimacy with him, our ministry, anything that you do personally or as a group or any outreach that we do as a church is going to naturally flow out of that. Okay, so it's not two different things. It's not, hey, let's be really healthy, spiritual people, and then let's go and be really busy for God. Everything that we do for God, the way that we serve him and the way that we operate in our small groups, all that is going to flow out of our intimacy. That's why Jesus says, remain in me, over and over and over and over again. The vine and the branches, remain in me, remain remain in me. And so we just get to be who we are then. So today, instead of talking about, um, you know, we talk about rest, what what maybe a modern... um, counseling approach would be, or you're told, you know, you just, you need to look inside of yourself and, and you just need to dig deeper and just find that inner peace. It's there. You're a smart person. You can figure it out. Just, just look inside of yourself and and you'll learn how to slow down, you know, or just, you need to set some better disciplines in your life. And, and, and to me, that just all sounds like trying harder. Like I don't have that in me. I've tried to do it before. And so my only hope is Jesus. And so that's why uh, I turn to him. And so today, I don't think we need tips and techniques. I'm not going to give you tips and techniques. I think what we need is a savior. And I know that sounds cliche, but um, I think that's, that's what we need is that our, our issue at our pace of our lives and, and slowing down, it's not a tips and technique issue. It's a heart issue. That might be the most important thing that you hear today to learn to slow down, to find that rhythm and that pace and that rest to your life, it's a heart issue, not a tips and technique issue. Because I, I think Jesus wants to uh, remind us of his heart for us today, and we really need to let Jesus speak into that today. So that's what we're going to do. So if you have your Bibles, if you haven't opened to Matthew 11 uh, already, we're going to dig into this uh, a little bit. If you need one, just grab one or, or look on with your neighbor. So starting at verse 25, Matthew chapter 11, verse 25, and we're going to be bouncing around a little bit. So um, if you brought your Bible, encourage you to do that uh, every single week. So verse 25, Jesus says, come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. So right away, this is great News. Jesus is offering us this invitation to leave restlessness, right? And he doesn't do it by pointing us to some self-help book or to just look deeper inside of ourselves and try harder. Jesus is saying, it's me. I'm rest. I'm not just your savior. 
that died on Good Friday. I'm not just your savior that rose again on Easter and you can kind of leave me behind. I'm somebody that wants to offer you rest on a daily basis. Jesus is, is standing here today with his hand open to you. And he says, do you need rest? Do you need rest? Come to me. Come to me. What would it be like to have somebody say that to you? Not, I think that you should get more sleep. You know, not point you to self-help book, but somebody that actually says, I'm what you're looking for, right? That's a powerful statement. And that's what Jesus is saying here. And so I think the first question is, if Jesus is extending this invitation of rest to us today, I think the first question we have to ask ourselves is, do I want it? And some of you are saying, well, duh, yes. No, think about it. Do you really want it? Do you really want to accept Jesus' invitation? Because I think sometimes no matter how much we know we need it, the answer is not because we, we don't think that we need to change. It's that we know that if Jesus actually gets a hold of us, that he's probably going to ask us to give up some things and to change some things that we're clinging to. Right? I don't doubt that there's any one of us who would say, I need more rest in my life. But yet we've got whatever it is, so quietly tension in our fist. And so here's kind of what our thought process is sometimes. I think if I slow down, then I might have to think about how lonely I am. Right? If I, if I slow down, I have to think about how lonely I feel. If I, if I slow down, I'm going to have to face myself in the mirror and think about the person that I am. And I'm not sure if I want to do that. If I'm, if I'm not in control, if I'm not on top of things in my life, if I slow down, I may feel like I'm not in control. And for a lot of you, including me, that's really scary to let go of that. Uh, if I slow down, people might see the real me. If I'm not a workaholic, if I'm not working 70 hours a week, if I'm not running after whatever I'm running after, if I slow down, then I'm going to have to think about the real issues in my life. Right? So those are some of the things that we, that we struggle with. If I slow down, I might actually realize that I don't have it all together. And people are going to see that. And I'm not sure if I want people to see that. So, but here's the good news. Look at, look at your scripture again. Look at the invitation again. Jesus says, come to me all who are what? Say that again. Weary and burdened, right? So Jesus says, here's the qualifications, right? So when Jesus says, come follow me, he doesn't say, polish up your resume, go to a, go to a job fair, you know, get your interview skills together. Jesus just says, come, and here's the qualifications for following me. You have to be weary and you have to be burdened, right? Is that any of us today? I think we qualify, right? That's the good news. We all qualify. So you need to be overwhelmed. You need to be burned out. You need to be broken. You need to be tired. And I think for most of us, uh, we qualify, if not all of us. So look at verse 26 again. Yes, Father, for this was your good pleasure. Let's say that together. Yes, Father, for this was your good pleasure. Now, what, what's that all about? Do you know that it gives God pleasure to offer you rest? You know, sometimes I think we have this idea of God that, that like he's, he's there and you're tired and you're bar- burned out and you're coming up to God and he's just like, oh, geez, you again? 
you got yourself in a mess all over again, right? Sometimes I imagine that in my life when I, when I think about, you know, we say, bring all your burdens and bring all your stuff to the cross. And sometimes I imagine that, that Jesus is standing there and he's got the, the nails in his hands and he's back from the dead and he's, he's hanging out. And we say, you know, give your burdens to Jesus and come to him to find rest. And, and we go up to the cross and Jesus is like, oh, jeez, you screwed up again. You got too busy again. But you know what? I, and this is just because I'm a sports book guy, but I think of Jesus like a really good coach. That instead of standing there and being disappointed in the fact that you got yourself burned out again, Jesus is just standing there and you come up and he just looks you in the eyes and he just puts his hand right on your shoulder and he just looks you right in the eyes and he calls you by name and he just says, come to me. Right? There's no like qualifications. There's no interview process. There's no go get yourself cleaned up and, and, and set some boundaries and disciplines to your life. No. Jesus says, come just as you are. Right? The qualifications are you got to be weary or burdened. So if you're not weary or burdened, you don't qualify. Right? And I think we all qualify. And that's the good thing. So Jesus is just a really good coach that looks at us and says, come on. You can do it. Right? We can do this together. You're, you're not alone. And so it gives God pleasure uh, to give us rest. And so uh, what is Jesus inviting us into? I want to just talk about two things. What is Jesus inviting into? There's a couple things. First of all, look at verse 28. Jesus says, come to me. Come to me. And you might think, well, duh, yeah, that's what the verse says. But how often do we turn to other things? Right? And this is something that I think we, we all struggle with. Doesn't it seem like the times that we're most vulnerable to falling into sin or temptation or the, the times that we're most vulnerable of doing things that we'll regret is when we're tired or burned out? Or am I the only one? You know what I mean? When you're tired and you're dragging at the end of the day, the last thing that you want to do is be godly, <laughs> right? Because it takes energy, right? It's easier to just go along with whatever your flesh says, right? And that's a danger for us. Um, and so, uh, without getting overly general here, I'll be honest and say that at the end of the day or at the end of the week, we run to a lot of things when we're tired, right? So at the, at the end of the day, uh, we run to the television. Um, sometimes we run to alcohol, we run to the internet, we run to Facebook, uh, we run to lustful thoughts. Um, maybe we run to an unhealthy relationship that we're in, um, because it just makes us feel like we're loved. Um, and sadly, many times we run right back to work. Isn't that funny? Like we're tired and we're burned out. And so we don't know where else to turn. So we just get right back on the treadmill because we don't know any different, right? We don't know how to slow down. And so, because at least it's going to numb the pain for a while. It's going to numb the pain for a while. So now don't get me wrong. When I say that there's nothing wrong with relaxing and resting. There's nothing wrong with watching TV and putting your feet up and having a cold drink. That's fine, right? That's okay. But my question for you is, what's ultimately going to fill you up? Okay? What's ultimately going to fill you up so that the next morning, you're not waking back up going, I feel the exact same way I did yesterday. Because you know what? The television is not going to fill my soul. <laughs> right? Facebook's not going to fill my soul. The beer is not going to fill my soul. <laughs> right? None of that's going to ultimately fill us up. Because those things get really old after a while. And so this is why Jesus says, come to me, because he knows if we run to anything else, we're going to be tired. It's not going to ultimately fill us up. Jesus says, I want to restore your soul. I don't want to just give you a nap. 
I want to restore your soul. Remember Psalm 23, right? Remember Psalm 23? David says, you restore my soul, right? So God's been doing this for a long time and he's capable of doing it. So Jesus says, come to me to find that. And so coming to Jesus on the most basic level is first of all, accepting his invitation. And secondly, I believe it's about letting him love you just as you are. He's not asking you to figure out your life and then come to him. He doesn't say, uh, come to me, all you who are educated and highly spiritual, right? He says, come to me, all who are weary and burdened. He says, come right in the middle of your burdens. Come right in the middle of your lack of connection with me. Come right in the middle of your dryness or your frustration. And it's this beautiful exchange that happens, right? We run in a society where I have to give something to get something back, and it's the same way with Jesus, except he kind of gets the bad end of the deal, right? But he's God, so we can handle it. We give Jesus our burdens and our weariness, and he gives us rest and his love, right? That's a pretty sweet deal. That's a pretty good uh, exchange. And so another thing about this particular passage, that in claiming that he can provide rest, Jesus is basically saying he's God, right? You might think, Oh, so Jesus walking around saying, come to me to find rest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is like a revolutionary statement, right? You don't just go around telling people, come to me to find rest, right? (laughs) What if one of your coworkers came up to you tomorrow and said, you know what? You're looking kind of tired. You need to come to me, right? You'd be like, whoa, freaking out, right? So this is a revolutionary statement that Jesus says, as he's not just an ordinary teacher, right? Only God can give rest because God created rest. God created life. And so um, most likely the Jewish audience that Jesus is speaking to, they're probably thinking of a scripture like Isaiah 40. So if you can turn to Isaiah 40, and this is going to kind of back this up. So go ahead and go there with me. Uh, Isaiah chapter 40, uh, starting at verse 28. Keep your finger in Matthew 11. Sorry, I should have mentioned that. Keep your finger because we're going to flip back there. Isaiah chapter 40, starting at verse 28. Isaiah is in the Old Testament. Verse 28, so Isaiah writes, Do you not know, have you not heard, the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Right? Wow, what a powerful promise, right? This isn't just a bunch of gibberish, right? This is the promise of God, and it's real, and it's true, and it's the promise of God through Jesus for you today. And notice verse 30. This is important. Notice verse 30. Uh, Even youth grow tired and weary. Even young men stumble and fall. That's not just talking about, like, young men, 25 and below. I think what, what Isaiah is trying to say is no one is immune to this. If you're sitting there today going, I got it. I'm a professional. I can figure it out. I'm smart. I can handle my life. I can set up these disciplines. I can set up these boundaries. And I can go, and I can go, and I can go, and I can push it. And no one's going to stop me because I'm strong, and I'm independent, and I don't need anybody to offer me rest because I got it all figured out because I can do it on my own. It's going to catch up to you. Jesus says, you're going to reap what you sow. And if you reap busyness again and again and again, it's going to catch up to you. But sometimes it takes some sort of crisis in our lives to make us realize that. Right? This was a a pretty 
crazy weekend for us as a church. I spent a lot of time in the hospital the last couple of days. Not me, personally, but uh, visiting people. And it's not that they were going too fast, but what I realized as I was there with them, um, a few folks that worship out at West Des Moines, and uh, one lady's been fighting cancer for a long time, and her family is just there around her bed, and she's not uh, able to communicate, but she can hear us. <laughs> right? So I read her Psalm 40 yesterday, and that, that was powerful. That's when, that's when Scripture comes alive. <laughs> and I'm just sitting there watching her and, and, and visiting a few other folks that there's some serious stuff going on in their life and they are slowing down big time, right? And it's not their fault. These things just happen to all of us. None of us are immune. But the thing that I realized is, man, life's way too short to be busy, right? <laughs> and we don't think about that on a beautiful spring day like this and we're sitting here and you've got all your plans for the afternoon, but you know what? Life is really short. And <laughs> any one of us, we're not immune to this, right? And so do I want to spend my life with my blinders on going 110 miles an hour? Or do I want to slow down enough to listen to God and be in relationship with people? Because at the, at, the at the end of the day, when I'm with this, this lady that's probably got a few days left, I don't think she's thinking about her to-do list, right? <laughs> I don't think she's... I don't think she's thinking about how many hours she worked this past week. I don't think she's thinking about impressing her boss. She's with her family and her friends. And she got to go to Hope for Easter, too. So if Easter is for anyone, it's for her. Right? So that was just a little tangent, but um, that makes it very real. And so... Um, we're not as strong as we think we are. And this isn't a claim that any ordinary teacher would make. Jesus is saying, I'm God and I can offer you rest. So uh, the first part of the invitation is Jesus saying, come to me. And now the second part is here in verse 29. So flip on back to Matthew 11, uh, back to verse 29. So Jesus says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. And so uh, when you think, what the heck is a yoke? Or like, put an egg on your head or something. Jesus is talking about an oxen yoke. So I think we got a picture of that. So in Jesus's day, these, these yokes were actually handmade and fit for specific oxen for, for two oxen to be together as a team. And so, uh, they would work together and they would kind of go over your head or your neck and they would kind of keep you, uh, together. And so what they would usually do is they would pair up an older ox with a younger ox. And so what happened at the beginning is that the younger ox would always want to lead, right? But he's hooked up, so he can't just do his own thing, right? So he's, he wants to go off, and he wants to go faster, and then he wants to slow down, and he wants to be stubborn, and he wants to set the pace, right? But because he's hooked up with an older, more experienced ox, right, with the yoke, he's yoked up with this more experienced ox, that's how he learns, that's how he learns the pace of life. And so instead of thinking about this as a burden, like this yoke is a burden, uh, look at verse 30, what Jesus says. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. Right? Jesus is saying, life is easy. Life is, life is light. Jesus is saying, I'm the old ox. <laughs> right? I'm the old ox. I'm the experienced ox. So let me lead you because I know the best pace for your life. Let me set the rhythm to your life. Jesus is saying, I've been through suffering. I've been through everything that you're going through, right? I understand what it's like to be busy. I understand what it's like to be interrupted. 
I understand what it's like to have pain. I understand what it's like to have suffering in your life. So come to me, yoke up with me, hook up with me, and let me teach you. Let me be the ox on the other side. So really for us, this is an issue of control. The young ox has to give up control if he wants to learn from the older ox. So even though we want rest and a new pace to life, we have to let go of our old habits to do so. And so uh, in order to give us rest and the new rhythm to our life, Jesus wants us to also sort of unlearn some of these destructive habits that we get ourselves into, right? When I'm lonely, I run to this. And you know what that is. When I need pleasure, I'm going to run to this. When I'm angry, this is how I always react, right? This is my default reaction. And, and so these are kind of our default ways of dealing with life is because Jesus doesn't want to just be your savior. He wants to be your Lord. And so, uh, don't you think that if God created you, that he would have something to say about the best way to live your life? If God's the one that created you and established rest in the first place, that he would have something to say about that. So the other thing that I wanted to mention is that even when uh, we can even find rest when we have busy lives, right? These aren't opposites, right? If anything, Jesus is the model for us of how to be busy but not hurried, right? If you look at the Gospels, if, if I was Jesus, I'd just be smacking people left and right because they're so annoying, right? They come up to Jesus at these inopportune times. Like, he's got a mission to do. He's God. And people are coming up and grabbing him and they're annoying and he's tired and he's stressed out and he's busy. But he didn't let those things get to him, right? Because he had this constant connection with the Father. So even in the midst of a busy day, Jesus, Jesus just didn't say, I need rest. I need to take a nap. Go away, Right? Jesus had this constant intimacy with his father that enabled him to live a restful pace to life, to find a rhythm to life. A lot of time with his father, a lot of time in prayer. And so I want, I want you to sit back and listen to this. I want to read verses 28 to the end, actually from the message translation. And so just kind of sit back uh, and listen to this. This is Jesus' heart for you today. Are you tired Worn out, burned out on religion. Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. So I love that. I love that uh, Jesus says, you want a real rest more than just a power nap can give you? It's going to take, um, it's going to take more than Facebook. <laughs> it's going to take more than the family vacation that you're planning this summer. That'll be great for a little while, but then it's back to life. Instead, Jesus says, watch me, watch how I lived. And so this week, I want to challenge you, if you haven't Read one of the Gospels and just watch, not necessarily what Jesus says, watch how Jesus lived, right? That'd be a powerful, powerful thing to do. That, you know what the mark of a good leader is? The mark of a good leader is someone that does not get caught. And the mark of a good leader is someone that doesn't just tell you what to do. They show you what to do. You don't just listen to what they say, you can watch their life. And that's why God, through Jesus, is the greatest leader of all time. And so Jesus isn't saying we're not going to have busy days. Jesus is saying, I want to give you a fresh perspective 
on your days. And so, um, instead of saying that this yoke that Jesus has for us is something that's easy and light in the terms that we're never going to have difficulties in our life, that's not true. We all know that. Uh, that's not true. But instead, Jesus, I think what Jesus is saying is, I have a yoke that's custom fit for you. Just like that yoke is custom fit. I have a yoke that's custom fit for you. Because I created you to who you are. Um, and so I think Jesus says, I have this for you and I'm holding it out for you. I'm offering it to you today. Um, I'm going to have my volunteers come up quick. And I want to end by sharing with you a story. Um, so there's these stories of, of 100, 100 years ago. Um, I hope this doesn't get in knots. You'll just have to untangle it. Um, this is a really long rope, guys. So you might have to go as far as you can go. So about 100 years ago, 150 years ago, in, in the Great Plains in the Midwest, in Iowa and Minnesota and Nebraska and, and North and South Dakota, they would have these major snowstorms, right? Do we know anything about major snowstorms? Maybe you don't want to think about that today, but I'm going to just bring it back to you. There you go. So what they would do is that if you lived out on a farm, you, uh, you would get lost sometimes. Because you know the kind of blizzards that are just blinding and it would snow like a foot and the snow is blowing and you can't see your hand in front of your face, right? You don't know where to go. Pull it as tight as you can, guys, except don't light it on fire. There we go. So what they would do is if you lived on a farm, uh, on one end they would tie it to their house and on the other end they would tie it to wherever their livestock are in their barn and so what they would do is, if a lot of times people would get stranded. They would get lost out there. They would die because they couldn't find their way home. And so what they would do is they would go out and they would take the rope all the way to wherever their cattle are. And then I'm here and my house is there and I have no idea where my house is. I don't know where to get home. And so they would tie this rope. And as long as they found the rope, as long as they knew where the rope was, they could find their way home. They could find their way home. And so, um, I think that today, Jesus is saying, I want to be that rope. I want to be that rope that leads you home. I want to be that rope that you can cling to in the midst of the chaos of your life, in the midst of the blizzard of your life. I want to be that rope that you can cling to. And I know that, to be honest, sometimes... As parents, we struggle with feeling inadequate. As spouses, we go through some rough times. Are those of you with jobs, it just seems to be constantly demanding. Or those of you that are students, that just, just the studying that just seems to never end. Uh, those of you are, some of you have been sick or you're just worn out by life. Those of you that are, you're looking for direction today, you've got some big decisions to make in your life. Uh, maybe you're just tired of religion and you're saying, I, I'm just tired of going through the motions of just coming every week and going to my small group, but I, I just need a fresh experience with Jesus, with the living God. And I think Jesus is saying to you today, come to me, take a hold of the rope and learn my way of life and follow the rope and I'm going to lead you home.